welcome, welcome, welcome in. It is Thursday, December 15th. Merry Christmas to you all. Holy crap, what just happened? It is, I mean, we are at the business end of the fantasy season already. I can't believe the season has flown by. It just seems like the other day I was predicting Cortland Sutton to lead the league in touchdowns. Instead, I am here sad, not as happy as I thought I would be with my always uh, intellectual wordsmithing co-host, Seth Odom. What is up? Yes, we have made it through week 14. And just as you mentioned, giving up first rounders for Cortland Sutton, you couldn't help but finish off the year by giving another first rounder for a washed up um, has been in Alvin Kamara. Oh, man. At least this time, I know he's not playing next year, and I also bought a felon. So, I mean, it, it really does not get much better than than what's about to happen, um, especially over the next two weeks where Andy Dalton d- decides not to throw him the ball, and then that first-round pick is completely wasted and turns into an all-time legend like Justin Jefferson. So we're going to we're gonna just wallow in the misery and sadness. Uh, we're going to sit here, and we're going to all feel like we are Harry Kane, and we just missed an 82nd-minute penalty to send our team on to the World Cup semifinals because that's what's about to happen to all of us except for one person who will in fact win this championship we have a great show for you today we're going to be going through the last transactions on trade deadline day which was eventful-ish I would say I don't know if I would say it's revolutionary but definitely some moves that we can talk about um we'll announce our playoff teams and kind of talk about what all chaos happens over the weekend to get us here and then we will as advertised in the last couple of episodes do a quick playoff primer we're gonna hit our uh, our projections see who we think is gonna take home the crown and we'll end as always with uh with some rankings but with a twist this time because there are there's a pretty clear divide in the league as to what's happening the rest of the season and so we'll take that into consideration but Seth let's get right to the action the the big trade and i guess big is is by i'm very biased but it involved you and i we did it we did a trade and i got as you kind of alluded to a washed up has been for a completely useless first round pick. So, I mean, what do you think? What happened? Oh, I uh, I think we finished up um, the podcast two weeks ago with me saying, I hate that Kamara's on my team, but I have to send it. I'm going to keep him. I don't <laughs> want to, but I really need to. And then I think we hung up the phone. Um, <laughs> and then over the next 24 hours, I then talked myself into – I don't want this guy on my team. <laughs> Who can I get rid of this guy to? <laughs> and so I I sent uh, offers to uh, a few people, but the the main ones I, I was I was trying to get Jacob. I was trying to make a kind of a bigger a six player deal with Jacob, and that that never really worked. Whoa! Um, and then I and then it was you. I you said I'll do it. Sign me up. And then I was like nah nah. And then I was like straight up for a first. Get it done. You said bet and then i backed out for about 48 <laughs> hours because i again i i there's some angst and yeah am I, am I am i selling myself short or am i getting good value and that's really where i ended up i traded for camara i gave up three i think i wouldn't even say good assets and um, they were average assets um and to turn alan robinson michael carter and uh, George Kittle into two first round picks. I was I was going to be satisfied. Um, no, yeah, that's because I I didn't lose a ton of starting lineup uh, points. Like Kittle was my starting tight end, um, but I, I I lose a couple points by having these other guys in. But it's not a drastic thing. And to get two two first rounders, it gives me ammunition for the future. And so I was like, all right, I'm not going to think about it. Done. No, I, I think that you, I think from your perspective, when you trade so little for so much from then on, even if you maybe are taking a slight step back, it's not going to feel like it. So, and I mean, pff, who needs George Kittle bite your arm off for Chiga Conquo, am I right? That dude is going to be a beast. Um, but no, you, you really played it up and you said, Hey, I'll give you Kamara straight up for a first. I'm sitting here with two firsts. I probably am at the time I was like, all right, so I'm looking at the 104, 105. 
and then maybe the 105, 106, 107, kind of in that middle late round for first round range. I start looking at the breakdown of the dynasty picks and kind of seeing where those tier breaks are and compared those tier breaks to what I hope Alvin Kamara is. And I mean, on the last podcast, I think I even talked about how like he is set up for just a massive win uh, in the playoffs because of the matchups that he has and because of the ceiling that he can produce. He has not been great all year though. So I mean, any other year, I think it takes a lot more than a first and uh, washed up has been Latavius Murray uh, to be able to pull off getting Kamara. But um, because of all the looming charges and the inconsistency over the course of the year, like I feel like Kamara for a hopefully three game push to a championship is at the time I felt really good about it. And then sadness happened after Kyler Murray gets hurt and now it's completely irrelevant, but we'll talk about that's, that's jumping ahead of the gun. So at the time I felt good. I, I was going to trade a lot more for Kamara about a week earlier to Braden, but he'd ignored my emails and text messages. So that kind of worked out. So I, I feel scared because in the event that I end up having to, I mean, He's going to play for me this weekend, and if he bombs, that's going to be real sad because that'll be me lighting two first-round picks just completely on fire and sending them right across the bow to you. So um, we're going to just – we're just not going to think about that. We're just going to have fun. We're just going to have fun the rest of the year. Um, well, and I do want to to point out, if like I say Kamara's wash. If Drew Brees was his quarterback or say like Tom Brady's his quarterback. Or how like, about this? Jameis Winston. Yeah, uh-huh. lit- yes. Literally <laughs> any other person. He's just been an awful, awful situation for him to be successful. Um, and really anyone on the Saints to be successful. Yeah. And so I, if they string a, f- a few good games together, like he will be the reason why. But the Saints also might lose out. Um, they don't have any reason to. They don't have their first round pick, um, like m- some later mentioned uh, members of our league. Um, <laughs> but uh, th- they just—they've never got it together. And Kamara has has that thirty point game in him. Like, wouldn't be surprised if if he wins you one of these next three weeks. Um, but he also—I'm not convinced he won't score four. Next, it, this week and, it's, and, it, and it statistically hurts. it's more likely that he does so <laughs> i mean it's gonna be sad it really will be um but at the end of the day uh, you never know how many times you're really going to be in the playoffs and in a position with a team that could win it all um had i known kyler gets hurt i probably don't make the trade but i mean obviously hindsight's 2020 so um we'll see what happens i guess it's all we can do and i'm riding mike white to a championship let's go baby um the other trade that I wanted to talk about um, is one that Matt made with, uh, oh my gosh, who did he make this trade? Was this Br- uh, Brennan. Brennan. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So he gave away Dallas Goddard. And I think Matt might have traded his firstborn child for him earlier in the season. I can't remember. Um, but in return, Matt was able to get Cam Akers and Darren Waller. Uh, formerly first round dynasty running back Cam Akers and formerly second round dynasty pick Darren Waller. Um, I, I think personally that Cam Akers is as a total bum. I think all of the rushing yards he's had the last two weeks are a total fluke and will not continue. Um, there's just way too much evidence stacked up against running backs who tear their Achilles and are just never the same. So I'm and also I mean hashtag Kyron Williams. Come on, let's go. But I like this trade for Matt. Seems like upside. He also already traded Jalen Hurts, and so his this the stack, the reason for uh, getting Goddard really wasn't there anymore. And Goddard was also hurt at the time, so what the heck? I mean, let's see what happens, and might as well full send it with a couple of guys that could end up being big players next year, rather than just getting one guy who might be good the rest of the season. I don't know. Yeah, and there was some some consternation with our uh, Camara trade between <laughs> you and I, uh, and it was because I I had been discussing trying to pull. I was trying to get everything that I ever wanted. <laughs> I was trying to get. Uh, a tight end and I was trying to get off Camara and I was, I was trying to move all of these pieces together. And like me and Matt, we we just weren't going to come to like, we didn't agree on the value of Goddard. Like I had him as our second round grade. He had him as a first round grade. And I guess uh, Matt views Waller plus acres as a first round grade. And I 
I will let him have that. Um, but yeah, I liked Goddard's upside. If he comes back like the next two to three weeks, like he would, he's a top six fantasy tight end and a great offense. And so I, I was willing to willing to deal, but didn't want to pay a, a first round price for him. And so um, Matt making a deal, he that he he wanted to get a deal done. And so um, I can't fault anyone. This is more of a next year move because he he knew he was out of the playoffs, and he just I guess wagered that Acres plus Waller will have more twenty twenty three value than Goddard. Yeah, and I I mean I think that makes total sense. Like Goddard, the rest of the season. I'm coming off of an injury. He could help Brennan through the next couple of weeks in the playoffs. Uh, definitely on the way to a title run. Or he could be hurt, come back, not be that great. And Brennan's stuck holding the bag. And next year he goes into the season with just Dallas Goddard. Yeah, it's a stack with his quarterback. But, I mean, to what extent that it really impacts, I don't know. Um, and on the other side, Matt comes into next season um, with a great draft pick. And on top of that, two guys who have struggled over the past two years, but have a chance to bounce back. So I think it makes a lot of sense for Matt, even though if I were to project Cam Akers' success over his career, eh, I don't know. And the same thing with Waller. His contract structure is so wishy right now. Like the Raiders, I remember reading somewhere that could like wave him for like a dollar or something. Like it, it's so it's the way that his cap is cap hit is structured. It just seems like he could leave at any time, which I mean could be good or could be detrimental. So you just never know in those kind of situations. But those kind of questionable values in the air is really what makes a deal happen, especially. Um, and if you're right on one or both of those, you're gonna look like a genius. So. Way to go, Matt. I I mean, he had emotionally already traded Dallas Goddard, it sounded like, uh, when he went through to trade him to you, and so he got the deal done. Um, I think that was kind of the last trade. No other big uh, deadline day moves, which is, uh, I mean, kind of to be expected. I, I didn't expect a bunch of moves because the teams that were playing really well, I mean, kind of like you were saying, uh, Jacob, JD, those guys were already set up in a position that they were going to kind of go into the playoffs. And so at that point, you're not really looking to make a bunch of moves. Um, it's more of the people like me and you who were on the cut, like we're on the cusp of being really, really good in that top tier, but kind of one or two steps back. So that makes a big move. That makes a lot of sense. Speaking of the playoffs, though, it happens, Seth. We have our six. I, um, uh, at the time of this recording, I am technically waiting for any last-minute stat adjustments, which will come out Wednesday morning. I view it as unlikely that it really will change anything, so I feel pretty confident even on the Tuesday we're recording this saying this. Here are your 2022 playoff spot holders. Coming in number one, unsurprisingly, Jacob Black, the one seed, never a doubt, except for those first couple of weeks when he wasn't that good. Since the trade for Kelsey, the dude has not lost. I mean, I don't even think it's been close. He's basically been a top three scorer every week the entire season. He comes into the playoffs, I mean, absolutely on fire and 100% healthy, except for a couple of nicks on uh, Christian Watson. I don't think the dude has had an injury to someone that's played in his starting lineup all season. So that's the dude. That's the man to beat. On the other side, number two, also with the bye week, is J.D., and you're kind of going to see a trend here. There are basically two teams that there's two types of teams going into the playoffs for us right now. You either have a team that is absolutely on fire and has rallied back from a tough first half to take <laughs> to take a spot, or you have teams that are just limping into the playoffs. JD is one of the latter. A couple of injuries. Um, now he is tied down to this Browns offense with Chubb, Cooper, and Njoku potentially having to be his starting tight end. It's going to be really tough for him to overcome and kind of see how the Deshaun Watson takeover ha impacts him the rest of the way out. But he is coming in as the, the buy holder from the Bitcoin division. At three, another limper. It's me. I'm coming into the playoffs with uh, not a healthy quarterback on the roster, a fun fact. Behind me, Seth, you have, I mean, absolutely roared back for the four spot. I don't know the last time you've lost a game and you've been scoring left, right, and center. Uh, definitely well-deserving of that four spot. Andreas has fallen pretty far from grace. Uh, down to the five spot, still a great record, but lost Lamar Jackson. Um, not as deep as some of the other teams in this uh, playoff now, but still looking good. Definitely the right pieces and, and guys that can get it done. And then the surprise, I mean, my goodness, the sixth spot, the wild card did not disappoint. 
Brendan Barger. My goodness. Off the heels of some massive weeks this year. Not consistent, but massive high-scoring weeks. He takes the points crown out of the rest of the league and slips into the playoffs with that six spot. And we're talking by like 10 to 15 points. I mean, it is it is tight. Seth, any shockers in there to you? Yeah, I am. Um, and I think this is how most fantasy years win or how wind down and that why the playoffs are impacted by guys like last year it was um, Penny um, took carry JD to the championship because guys get hurt. Um, and so to see that half of the six are hurting at major positions, like namely quarterback, um, that that's going to be, I think, the big theme of the next three weeks, but uh, particularly um, this Brennan Tanner situation. So uh, we were, all of this went down trade deadline week. And so I traded for Brennan's pick and I was like, I honestly hoping Brennan doesn't make it. That locks me in at six. Sounds great. It's preferred. Um, but all of this is happening. Um, like as the games are going on, I'm like, man, I should have really tanked this game because, <laughs> and, and I couldn't do this because uh, ethics are, should be in play, but build a roster, game. man. That's what, yeah. that's all we got to do. If, if I, if I tanked this game, it would almost lock Tanner in to the playoffs because he would have a better record than me. And he, I would have the most points out of the rest of the group. And so it would, it would force, uh, I would be responsible for forcing Brendan out, but then <laughs> there was hope. I didn't have to tank the Cowboys spanked, <laughs> spanked the Colts. Not even a game yet with three minutes on the clock remaining for whatever reason, Jonathan Taylor is still out there and normally you're ecstatic, maybe some garbage time points <laughs> and little did I know. And, and poor Tanner had to sit there and watch Jonathan Taylor have one catch for minus two <laughs> yards to give me the point two points edge over Brennan which normally you're ecstatic me being ecstatic over a win or Brennan being distraught over a loss but that catch basically locked Brennan in and knocked me out based off of who we were playing to finish the year and now Brennan getting 40 points from Evan Ingram that's actually what won him the week uh, or got him in the playoffs oh but yeah the freak stuff freaky stuff like that happens but the fact that Point two points and him losing is what actually gave him the edge over Tanner. That that floors floors me. How 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 quirky fantasy football is. Oh my god! Yeah, you would have never thought that losing a game at the last second would actually get you into the playoffs. But I mean, yeah, it totally does because I mean he wins that game and he's then actually at the same record as you. Tanner has a better record than everybody, and then you outscore him. I mean, that's kind of a wild string to the end because. What really ended up happening, kind of like you just said, Evan Ingram goes off for 40, and Tanner needed to beat Brennan going into this week. He needed to beat Brennan by nine points to lock up the wild card spot. And, I mean, you watched most of the games. Tanner's guys were going off. Every Eagles receiver caught a touchdown. Tanner's, I mean, and I was going up against Tanner, so I was just watching in awe as, I mean, points after points after points. But Brennan is matching him stride for stride. And, I mean, the Evan Ingram 40-point bonanza not on anybody's bingo card, definitely going into the weekend. And I mean, that's, that's what did it. And I mean, that combined with, of course, Jalen hurts also almost dropping 40. That sure gets you a lot of the way there. And you don't need your rest of your roster to do much after that. Yeah, that that's the truth. And so Tanner, like it's a tough way to go. I never thought when we voted on this uh, at the beginning of the year, that <laughs> a nine and five team uh, would, <laughs> would lose out. A nine and five team who won by fifty points, yeah, would lose out uh, in week fourteen. <laughs> this how the cards fell. It's unbelievable. I mean, like the wild card, and we may have to revisit it next year. I personally love it because it just added so much excitement to the end of the season. And otherwise, Brennan had, I mean, because of his record, really not a ton of ch not not a big chance to make it into the playoffs. And also. The reason that we instituted it, or the, my reason for proposing the rule, was that there would not be 
these like fluky because I mean if you look at Brennan's points against the the points that were scored on Brennan it was so much higher than the points that got scored on Tanner over the course of the year and clearly that was the difference between the record I mean that I mean that's why you lose obviously someone scores a bunch more points than you so Brennan lost so many close games where he was scored on by a ton and I guess the universe just has decided to reward him for his misfortune. So yes, that comes at the expense of Tanner, but I think he's a tough guy and he'll come back. And I mean, we'll talk about this later, but I am, I mean, Tanner's team going forward looks unbelievable. So there's, there's no reason for him to feel sad beyond, uh, beyond though, beyond the, the madness of the wild card spot, Seth, you, you pointed this out to me and I didn't even see this. You were, I mean, one matchup away from stealing the buy at the last second away from JD. And basically what happened is JD has a one game edge on you or had a one game edge on you going into the weekend. So if you won and JD lost, it was going to come down to points scored as to who got the buy in the Bitcoin division. And JD's team did not have a great week. <laughs> the Browns did not look good. Um, I mean, most of his roster just did not hit, and he was not scoring very many points. The only problem is the person he was playing against fielded perhaps the worst lineup in the entire league, and so the poor guy had no chance of losing because of who he was up against. So even though I think you beat him in points scored at the end of the season, is that right? I did. I caught him this week. So, I mean, we are talking about a different matchup away from you being in the buy spot, which is, I mean, not as big of a deal as missing the playoffs, but a buy in the fantasy playoffs eliminates so much variance and it really does have a massive impact on how far you can go in the tournament. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't this week. We knew the outcome, but it was the last two weeks, like week 12 JD won by four points. And I think it was on like a, a Monday night. Like he, he just kind of clawed his way back to beat Nick. Um, and then the, in week 13, um, he beat Corey by 10 um, again mm -hmm. with, I think it was a, a late, a late push by uh, a, from CD. And so it was just like, you know, JD's team, his team is great. And he has just won all of the important games. And so I, it was a long shot. Um, but as I was tracking it, I was like, man, him, him winning those last two weeks was, was my chance. And because um, I think I referenced it uh, a couple weeks ago, I was like, Corey would have to have the upset of the century he almost, <laughs> he almost got him almost he got almost him. got him yeah he really yeah. did but um yeah it, and uh, yeah you can't complain about being in the playoffs but yeah a buy you, you're feeling good about a buy i mean it basically puts you into the money at that point because then you only have to win one of your last two games to get either your money back or make some money at the end of the day and i mean that's not what we're here for but the pride is uh, it does feel nice so um and yes so we've talked a little bit about all the people that are going to be celebrating or lamenting their successes, but there is perhaps no greater lament to be given than for our loser on the year. Corey, Daniel Hill, my man, we're so sorry for you, but we are so excited to watch you really go through a lot of pain and torment as you try to eat as many waffles as you can at waffle house. Um, looking forward to the, to the docu series that will shortly come after you, uh, you inevitably go through that process. Seth, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, what would be your strategy for the waffle consumption challenge? Okay. So what I would do is I would fast. Um, I would eat breakfast the day before mm. and I'd fast for 24 hours. It's like get your, get your body rearing and ready. Um, and then I would start that morning by drinking a fat cup of McDonald's coffee. Ice <laughs> coffee is my preference. You know, get, getting those bowels moving. <laughs> and so I would hit a couple, a couple quick, while you're still feeling good, um, and maybe maybe even three, push it to three, and then instead of a side of coffee this time, I I would have a side of orange juice. But instead of like fresh squeezed orange juice, I'm talking like orange metamucil juice. Mm, oh um, yeah. And so you get you get that fiber action. Uh, maybe even put some uh, Miralax in there. Get get that. Uh, Get those carbs flowing. You're so you're going for you. the evacuation method. You're just Evacu clearing space. Clearing space in one, in one, out the other, <laughs> and kind of kind of hit that clock um, and try and get in and out as fast as possible. That that's my advice. You know, that's a so that's that's a great strategy. And honestly, 
I don't love it because of the murder that that's going to do to the backside at the end of the day. And also you're going to get real familiar with the Waffle House bathroom, which I don't know if that's the place you really want to be. I have my strategy is a little different and it is it is just get cozy. My strategy would be you pick a Friday or a Saturday that you can work from home and you just post up and I mean. Heck, bring an Xbox, get your get your console set up, pick a, good, a couple of good movies, and I'm eating one waffle, and I'm bringing a, a blanket and a pillow, and I'm just making friends with the people that work at the counter. I mean, you can make you can make friends fast, and if you just pick out a booth in a place where you're kind of in the corner, you can just get cozy. I think you just wait out the clock. I mean, 12 hours is a long time, but you're not going to go hungry because you're going to have plenty of uh, plenty of food there. So I'm going to say my strategy would be the exact opposite, and it would be my goal is to not throw up and to do that. I'm only going to eat three waffles over 12 hours. And I think, I think I could just outlast the clock. I, Hey, I like the move. Um, Corey, you, you have to let us know what's your personality uh, and how strong mm. are your bowels? I, I'm excited to hear. It was, uh, it was very funny. I saw Corey at Thanksgiving and we were talking about this potentially happening. And his, his wife was Allie lover. She was not aware that this was a part of the process and she became very concerned for Corey's well-being. So uh, the, the, the hill tummy tum is going to be a little uncomfy is what I'm, uh, is what I'm projecting, but we'll see what happens. I'm, uh, I'm hoping he kind of chronicles it. That'd be, I saw a, a TikTok of someone who had to do this for their fantasy league um, kind of going into the season last year. It did not look particularly fun, but I think this guy was a little bit more dramatic than Corey. So I'm, I'm confident he can hang. And I mean, who knows? Maybe he just decides to stack 12 up, pound them and go home. I mean, like it, it would be it would really ruin your day. But just go home, take a nap and just kind of tough it out. Maybe that's maybe that's the best move. I don't know. Um, but Seth, we'll move from what's gone, what's what's gone on in the past. And let's set out for the future. We we've promised this for a week's now. It's our playoff primer. We have our matchup set in stone, and we are ready to watch Titans of our league go up against one another. The first matchup we want to get in. Based off of how the seeding works, we have the three seed versus the six seed. It is me versus Brennan. Brennan comes in. Muy and Fuego on fire after a couple of big performances um, from the likes of Evan Ingram and others. It could not be the more opposite for me. I come into this playoff limping, not able to actually decide on a starting lineup any given week, and with exactly zero currently, 0.0 really, starting quarterbacks on my roster um, that are healthy. So between Kyler, Mike, and Concustal Wilson, um, it's going to be really tough to see what happens. Um, just a quick couple of thoughts from me. The karma of this matchup being the first round of the playoffs is hilarious. Until about two weeks ago, I had Brennan's first round pick, and we had done a couple of deals over the course of the season, which I was much maligned for, apparently ripping Brennan off. And that appears to have not been the case because Mark Andrews, who I was able to get from Brennan along with DK Metcalf at one point, Rashad White, those guys have not quite performed as well as Austin Eckler. And I mean, if I would have kept Austin Eckler, we would have been in a very different conversation right now. So... The karma is quite literally hilarious. And honestly, if I'm looking at this and trying to break this game down, it really just comes down to whether or not Hertz and Eckler outscore my wide receivers. I, I think that's where the ceiling for both guys lie. And it really does become kind of just a, a, a pick em of trying to decide, all right, who is more likely to hit a consistent ceiling? Yeah, and I, like, like you said, that, the Chargers um, are starting to look better. They're starting to win win some games, and it's on the back of Austin Eckler. Um, they they run screens. He doesn't even. I don't even know if he touches the ball um, with via handoff. He's just getting <laughs> nine. So eight nine catches for fifty yards um, is 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 a wonderful floor. And then you can expect him to get in the end zone. Um, and so Eckler is is just a money player to kind of build your team off of. And then, I mean. You want to doubt the Eagles being able to score 40 points a game, but who says no? Like, yeah. what, what, what is the reason uh, to not do that? And so and the, only, the only reason um, I have some hesitancy uh, with, um, with his team is that he fields – 
three guys. So Evan Ingram, uh, Marcus Robinson, and Devontae Parker that are below replacement level players. And like Devontae Parker is probably out with a concussion and Robinson doesn't have a quarterback. And that means you're just kind of relying. That's a lot of weight on two guys' shoulders and he doesn't have anyone to put in these positions. And so like he's just locked in that he, in order to even get by, he has to have a peak week. This was a peak week for him. He scored 120 points. If he scores 120, he's going to win. But like his, he has a 65, a 65 pointer in him, a 70 pointer in him. And I think you have a, a higher floor because your, uh, your talent is more dispersed, except at quarterback, but you're going to get one guy on the field who is going to play and they're going to score eight to 10 points. Whereas there's three guys on his team that I'm not sure would play on any other team mm. on, a, on any given week. Um, and so I, I, your quarterback situation is, is dire, but let me just talk, say Mike White, um, if, if his internals are working, <laughs> Kirk Cousins just went for 400 yards and like 75% completion percentage against Detroit. That's who Mike White has this week. And so why he may not be at a hundred percent, like Mike, Mike White at 75% is still going to, um, get you value on the field. Whereas like, I, I think Brennan's team may just be missing, uh, missing some guys um, to fill out the roster. No. And I think that's the only piece that I have that I can be happy about um, going into the playoffs. Kyler did not have great matchups. I mean, he was going to be playing against defenses that are really good. I mean, by all respects. And so um, it's going to, I think it's going to be, tough to to look at a lineup that's quarterbacked by Mike White and feel confident in any respects or I mean if I'm able to grab Colt McCoy or Baker Mayfield off waiver wire I mean none of those guys are going to inv- like create any sense of confidence in in the team as a whole but if I can get a solid floor of, I mean, 15 points from one of those quarterbacks, it is incumbent on the rest of the roster, I think, to maybe pull some pull some weight and get in, uh, get to where we need to be. Um, yeah, yeah, the strength of your roster has never been on the quarterback, and that has still got you to where you are. And so you're not resting on the success of a quarterback. Now, having a successful quarterback is going to be what it takes to win at all. You know, mm-hmm. you might have to get lucky, um, but your roster has been able to carry itself without a consistent performer all year. And so um, I just, I, if I'm choosing between the two of you, I, I like your odds um, to win, but things get wacky. Yeah, no, that's, and that's the other piece too, is like last year going into the playoff game, I think I was projected to beat JD by 10 points and ended up laying a total goose egg. So it really just, I mean, it's, one game sample size you can project and try to analyze as much as you want but it's not going to happen uh, the way that you put it on paper to be um at the end of the day i i probably lean towards if i'm filling out a bracket i probably lean towards myself too just kind of of the because of the reasons that you've said in the sense that um depth pieces and the ceiling outcomes of more players is is probably easily more easily anticipated than schmevin schmangram going for 40 points again um I will say, though, the best part about the seeding for this league is that I'm not on the same side of the bracket as Jacob. So if I play him, it'll be in the championship. And I don't really find that much solace in it, but it is it is my one silver lining I have to go off of. The next matchup and uh, the big one for our uh, our compatriot here on the pod is Seth versus Andreas. It is the I think this is the four and the five seed. Um, very, very similar setup where you have one flaming hot, uh, he's on fire team facing up against a team limping into the playoffs, kind of resting on the laurels of the first half performances. Um, Andreas faces just a massive obstacle in this game, Seth. I'll say it kind of just cause it's so clear he's lost Lamar Jackson and, he doesn't have Mike White. He has Matt Ryan as his current backup. And there's obviously moves that can be made in the, over the waiver wire to kind of make that happen. But it's going to require a 
I mean, just a massive ceiling outcome from running backs specifically. I'm looking at Derrick Henry and Josh Jacobs, who, I mean, Josh Jacobs went for 60 when we played each other earlier this season. So it's not impossible that he has a ceiling game, but it really is going to kind of be the tale of do these all-stars that Andreas has had, which we've, I mean, we've lauded him all season for having perhaps one of the best ceilings of any team in the league between guys like, Mike Evans and Josh Jacobs and Derrick Henry and uh, Amon Ra St. Brown. I mean, these guys that are absolute ballers if you hit them on the right week, but also at that same time can be pretty high variance players. So if I'm looking at this matchup, I'm concerned from Andreas's perspective about this, about the consistency and kind of a very similar story about in our, in my matchup is can I really rely on my starting quarterback to help me compete against a team who comes in with, I mean, depth in pieces everywhere in, in your team specifically? I mean, Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, Josh Allen, uh, these guys, I mean, Justin Jefferson. I mean, the list goes on and on of guys that are going to more likely than not drop between 15 and 20 points. And so, yes, Andreas has the ceiling built into some of the guys, but my concern is just if this turns into a shootout and you and he needs every bit of firepower, I just think you have an extra gear that he doesn't. Yeah, and Andreas is and a lot of his pop came with what Lamar Jackson could throw out there. Um, so knowing that even a game that Matt Ryan pops, that's for twenty two. You mm. know, so it it, it hurts. Uh, it kind of hamstrings him a little bit. And even with just talking about like matchups this week, his running backs don't have awesome matchups like i like henry versus um the chargers but josh jacob versus new england like man bill well, Belichick. we we did just see james I, connor last night go for a buck a bucket against the Saints defense it's bill belichick versus josh mcdaniels <laughs> oh that's true revenge so, game so th- like there there are different there's different animals to when you play against New England. And then I think even more so than that matchup, it's Amon Ross St. Brown against the Jets, who yeah. held um, – I Justin Jefferson played him two weeks ago. And I think he had nine catches, but for 42 yards. Like Sauce Gardner it, is no joke, dude. And, yeah, and so he he's just got a, I mean, a tough draw with injuries too. It's that, I mean, and I have been – I think I've had the, other than Jacob, have had the highest floor. Um, I haven't been below 87 points. I, most of my games are between 102 and 112. And and that consistency gives me comfort because, like you said, you mentioned Christian McCaffrey, who is probably going to have a bigger role these last three weeks uh, yeah. because San Francisco still has to win, and they have to get guys um, with talent the ball. And so he's going to carry the ball a lot. Justin Jefferson is the only way the Vikings can move the ball. So, like, those guys are going to get their touches. Um, it, it'll just be for me to make a, a three-week push. It'll be Jonathan Taylor and Devontae Johnson getting in the end zone and Terry McLaurin getting in the end zone. All, I'm confident in my team because they all get touches. Like, I think my target share is incredible across the board. Every guy I play. Um, it's just, I, my guys aren't getting in the end zone. Um, and so if that happens, um, I have the potential to make a run. Uh, but I, I'm feeling good because of his quarterback situation. Um, not because anything that my team has done, like he doesn't deserve to be in this situation 14 weeks into a good season. (laughs) Um, but like he, he, he just got stuck. Yeah, no, and I think that's right. And I mean, at the end of the day, you've already traded Camara and got a first round pick. So you're with an emotional hedge like that. You can't lose. Like if you if you don't win, you have all these picks and you have a great season next year. If you win, you're just on a trajectory towards back to back championships. So I mean, you're you're really sitting in a pretty nice spot where you don't have to feel bad either way. I that that is that's honestly that is what the hedge is. I I I feel like I've been responsible with my assets. Haven't always made the best move, but I've. I, I've made it work. I built a team that I I believe in. Now, whether or not it produces, that's that's out of my hands. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it really is so. I mean, high variance, and I mean, who knows? I mean, Matt Ryan could go out here and have an amazing day. Josh Allen could have another kind of less than stellar, excellent performance. But 
I, I think that if you're, you're right, I mean, a high floor at the end of the day is what's going to give you the best chance to, to win championships because you let the other people make the mistakes. Like, yeah, yeah you're not like, you can't really beat someone who has Josh Jacobs when they go for 60, even if you have a great starting lineup. So you got to take those lumps throughout the regular season and then just hope that when it hits playoff time, the variance doesn't, um, askew too way, uh, or skew too far to really put you in a, in a tricky spot. Yeah. Um, all right, which team with a bye do you think is more likely to lose in their first round this season? Uh, I mean, as long as Kelsey is healthy, I'm taking Jacob to win every game. Um, I and I so I think JD uh, because of his injuries uh, that he's he is more likely to lose to you in round two than Jacob is likely to lose to to me or. Or you were Brendan around you than for Jacob to lose to, to me or Andreas. And so I, my question to you is, do you think um, that one or both of them, neither one or both of them will lose in round two? If I, and I like, I guess if we're going to like handicap it, like if I was setting odds, I might say the odds of them both losing in round two is pretty high. Like that would be probably, I don't know, plus 300, just kind of like thinking off the cuff for one of them to lose. That feels almost like a split. And the reason being whoever wins the first round of either of our matchups, it's a good team and has probably already beat or come close to beating Jacob or JD over the course of the season. So, I mean, I know that I think, I think I've beat JD once this year. You have played him close in all of your games. So, I mean, there's clearly the firepower for one of us to get through. I would say that I would say that one of the teams with the bye does not make the championship. I, I think that that's kind of a, I'll take the field if I'm making the betting odds here. I, I, I just think that it's more likely than not that they both don't win. Cause, and I was thinking about this earlier, like in a, in a, in a real world NFL game, when you get the bye, that has the effect of, yeah, you don't have to play a game and risk losing, but also it means your guys are fresh for us that like the freshness of our players has, is completely irrelevant. Like all of our guys are going to play or not play based off of their real world schedule. So the buy in that sense is irrelevant and strictly just for avoiding variance. So there's not really any benefit. Like your team doesn't get better because you have a buy. It just means that you didn't have to play a game. So I would say that it's pretty unlikely that both of the teams with a bye end up in the championship. Um, and I would definitely take the field um, it, for one of the two championship spots. If, if we're sitting here today, is that what, yeah. is that what you think too? Yeah. I, I, I think that's, uh, I think that's, that's true. Uh, I do think it's more, man, I think we all, Jacob was in a tier by himself. Um, I think we have a chance uh, if we string some games together uh, that like I can catch him, you can catch him, JD can catch him. Um, but it, it would have to be a perfect, perfect situation yeah. to do so. So I think if, if this is the, the Tiger Woods question, are you taking Tiger or the field? Are you taking mm-hmm. Jacob or the field to win it all? Man, it's really tough to take the, to not pick Jacob, but statistically, I think I will take the field like it because here's what could happen. Jacob has to win two games and yeah, he's won a bunch in a row, but Mahomes has the, I mean, he could not play well one of the two weeks and that's it. And that's all that it takes for Jacob to not make it through because Mahomes goes one crappy game where he only throws two touchdowns and 200 yards ends up scoring less than 20 points. Yeah, he has like ceiling outcomes all across his roster, but I think what's been kind of the, I mean, the nuclear button for his team has been that stack. And so that's when you've seen him hit the 150 mark or the 160 mark is when he has those guys that go off in conjunction with other guys. So I would say that it's, although not likely, I will will still pick the field. The bet is, I, I think the field is always the better bet. I'll take Jacob. Wow. Bold. I like it though. I mean, his team is, it it looks unstoppable. We've said that for weeks. Uh, Yeah. So he last lost week seven, scored 95 points, lost to JD week seven. Um, I think he's been over 120 every week since. (laughs) Uh, He's at 132 week six. Um, So like he just, 
has, has been a machine. And so uh, I'll, I'll take the machine. Hey, Brazil was supposed to win the World Cup. That's all That's all we can say, right? Oh, man. Well, I don't know about that. Um, we'll, we'll find out, I guess. I mean, it's kind of crazy that it really all just does come down to variance. I mean, and the team with the best roster. I mean, I think I was trying to remember what JD's record going into the playoffs last year was, but I don't think he had the best record in the league, and no. he made it all the way to the ship. Yeah. So JD was JD was nine and five. Yeah, uh, I was ten of like he was third, I was second, and Braden was first, and we all had about the exact same amount of points. Um, but he was nine and five, I was ten and four, and uh, Braden was eleven and three. Um. This has gone really well for me so far this season. So I thought we should do for the last time, perhaps let's make some player picks. Like let's talk about people that we think are going to be league winners this year. I got three guys. Well, two guys, two, two and a half guys. Jalen hurts. The dude has been just absolutely nuclear since the week one of this season. He really has not stopped since then. I have a, in my work league, I did lock up the buy in our, uh, in our league this year. And it is solely because Jalen Hurts drops about 40 points every week and based on our scoring format. And that just guarantees you a win most of the time. Uh, so I, I really do think that Hurts has a great chance to, to dominate as the, over the rest of the, the season. The next guy, he hasn't been great all year, but it, it's one of your guys, Seth. It's, it's Johnny, Johnny, Tay, Tay, Jonathan Taylor, I think has, based off of his schedule also because he plays some bad rushing defenses that combined with the general ineptitude of Matt Ryan and the Colts kind of clutter bucket of an offense overall. I think you can, you might see Jeff Saturday sit back in his chair and go, I don't know guys, just give it to Jonathan Taylor. And he ends up with a ton of touches and a ton of volume that because of his natural skill set, as he's gotten healthier and healthier off the injury, we can see some really great performances. Yeah, and Jeff Saturday has nothing to lose. Like he, he's like, I have an eight game trial run. I'm I'm one and three <laughs> for now. So if I go, if I win the next four, hey, maybe I got a shot. And so you know he's he is sending it the rest of the year. Oh, absolutely, and he's gonna come up with some wild stuff. Um, and the last guy, Russell Wilson. No, I. I put this in the doc. There's no way that Russell Wilson is a, is a league winner. We saw him actually have a good game for the first time all year against the chiefs. And it just made me so angry because at this point in the year, like, why would you do this to me, Russ? So I, I will, I will confidently say that hurts and Jonathan Taylor are the, are two guys that I can really see blowing up with the back half of the year. So since you, you picked two guys, um, I will pick from the two, the biggest underdogs, I would say, are uh, Andreas and, and Brennan, based off of situation um, that they're coming into the championship or into the playoffs with. I think uh, Travis Etienne will be the guy mm. that gives Brennan a shot. Um, the Jaguars are playing better. Trevor Lawrence is playing better. And he hasn't necessarily um, just erupted. I think he is going to be that kind of – the extra piece that gives Brennan a chance. And then for Andreas, Amon Ross St. Brown, he's the pop. His running backs are are on that. I mean, Josh Jacobs and Trav, uh, Henry, um, they, like they are – they're stable. They get 20 carries a game. You hope they get in the end zone twice, but the, I, you can trust them. But St. Brown's the guy who can go off for 12 catches – and 120 yards and two touchdowns that um, that's what it's going to take for him to not only beat you, but to, to win three games. And so um, I'll say those two under the radar guys. Uh, I think the other four teams have some star power that whether it's CMC for me, Joe Mixon for you, Travis Kelsey for uh, Jacob or CD lamb uh, for JD. Mm -hmm. Like those, those are guys that, yeah, you you expect it, and that's why the teams are great. But they're the guys that make that greatness because it's consistency, and they have the extra juice and good offenses. And so those are the guys that, with good weeks, that that can carry. Um, but I think those two under under the radar guys um, are the ones to look out for that uh, will be their shard penny um, and, and carry someone to the to the ship. Well, I mean, and that's I heard some stat today that like. Alan Lazard and Amon Ross St. Brown were both top 12 wide receivers 
the last three weeks of the season last year. So your fantasy playoffs last year, and both of them were on waiver wires in 70% of leagues. Um, same thing was true with Rashad Penny, who ended up being the running back one over the playoff stretch for last year. And he was available in like 67% of leagues um, at, at this time last year. So there, I mean, don't just look at guys on rosters. I mean, when you're when you're out in your redraft leagues where the waiver wire is a little bit more available. I mean, there are guys on waiver wires every year that end up being the difference between winning a championship and not winning a championship. So I, I think that for our situation in this dynasty league, that's less likely just because our, I mean, our benches are big and our rosters are big, but I mean, there is definitely a world where someone like Sky Moore uh, comes out of nowhere the last couple of weeks and takes over an offense, or you see someone like, uh, like Pierre Strong. I mean, that could be a guy where the Patriots have gone through a lot of crappy running back injuries. Ramondre is not great or not doing great. Damian Harris doesn't recover as fast as they think. But the Patriots have to win games in order to make the playoffs. So you could see their third string running back that no one drafted in any league all of a sudden take over the helm, get some volume and and be efficient with that. So um, I think there's a I think there definitely is a world where some rando we've not heard of becomes the Rashad Penny for, for this year, for sure. Um, we can jump right into the power rankings on this one. Uh, I think we've talked a, a fair amount about the standings of the top six of the guys that have made the playoffs. Um, if I'm ranking them, I'm going Jacob at the top, shortly followed by you, JD. I have Andreas. I've dropped him down pretty substantially from our last go around just because of the Lamar injury. I still sit at five, Brandon at six. I, I like my I've liked my odds more after acquiring Kamara, and so had Kyler not gotten hurt, I might have bumped myself up to three. Um, but because of the, I mean, because Andreas and I are kind of sitting in the the QB wilderness, kind of wandering around, I I would say that the 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 tea leaves do not look good for for us currently. Yeah. Well, I I have Jacob, me, uh, you, JD, Andreas, Brennan, Andreas, and Brennan. I. Like I said, they can win, but they theirs will be the most improbable. Andreas has that that quarterback struggle, um, and I you have a quarterback situation, but your um, running back and receiver, uh, your flex guys, I'll just call them that. Um, I think they're the best in the league, uh, even better than Jacobs. Um, but Jacobs' stat keeps them on one. Um, yeah. He he just played his cards right. Um, my team stayed healthy enough. Losing Debo hurts, but I, I have other bodies that yeah. can can be sufficient and can can get in the end zone. Um, and then JB, I he has upside, but he, man, his brown brown dependency is never a word you want to <laughs> to say. Um, but unfortunately, he's relying heavily on those guys. Yeah, well. it's kind of funny. So. It, it, Really quickly on Debo, I wonder if losing Debo actually makes Christian McCaffrey so much better that your team overall has a higher ceiling now because you're not sharing touchdowns between two guys. Because, I mean, I mean, Christian McCaffrey effectively becomes Atlas where he's holding the entire San Francisco offense on his back now that you have quite literally nobody <laughs> to, except for Ayuk and Kittle it, sometimes. But the supply through whoever is backing up Brock Purdy is not so is not great. But so I wonder if that actually makes your ceiling higher because there's only one piece in that offense now. Yeah, it definitely does. Instead of uh, I'm playing Alan Lazard instead of Debo, which Debo uh, obviously has a higher ceiling, but any success touchdown that he has, it means it reduces what McCaffrey can do. And so yeah. like, would I rather put, play Debo than these guys? Yes. But does it cripple me? No, I'm just thankful he didn't tear his ACL. Like it would have been tough for him to miss a lot, maybe a lot of next year too. Um, and so, thankfully, it it may just be a end of this year issue, and we can hopefully have him back coming next year. Yeah, they say he'll be back for the real NFL playoffs. So I'm I'm curious to see what that looks like. But moving past the top six, you uh you kind of invited us to to do a little ch a swap as to how we would finish out the rest of the league. Um, and, and you've called it rank the tank, which situation would you want to be in? And I love it. I love it. I'll let you go first. Cause I think your, I think your list is, is pretty on point here. Okay. So I, 
Um, actually, let's, let's go from, I'll go from 12, 12 to one. Ooh, build the suspense. I like yeah, it. We'll go from 12 to one. And so, uh, in the team, I would least like to have, um, their rosters is Nick. Um, and Nick, I mean, you, you, you traded Kyler Murray, uh, to get some, uh, the, maybe the oldest quarterback of all time, but also some young assets and, and that may work out for you next year, but you still are lacking some depth and you, you traded Jonathan your pick um, in that in that deal, and trading a top five, a top six draft pick, um, you're, you're missing out on a lot of high end talent there. And so him not having his first rounder, and I have Nick um, at the back, and then Corey, um, I I like the framework of your roster, uh, and especially like DeAndre Swift and then Brees Hall, but man trusting running backs in particular with an injury history like a torn ACL and Swift has been hurt all year and um, that makes it tough um, to try and build your team off of those guys if you want to be your workhorses they do they have the legs to do that uh, and you also don't have your pick which is it hurts me uh, for you guys uh, to know that um, you kind of had this difficult year and you're going to be like the Broncos uh, being like, <laughs> we suffered and gave up so much for this. <laughs> and they'll get to watch the Seahawks take the third overall pick. Uh, <sighs> and so heartbreaking. Uh, Corey, Corey, if you had your pick, I, you would be in a different situation because you could get another rookie running back to, again, to support your cast, but uh, it's, it's a tough place to be now. Uh, this next group is where it got interesting. At number 10, I have I have Braden. And I have Braden here, not because he's rostering seven mediocre quarterbacks. <laughs> I, that is not not my type of team. It's a bold um, move. So that's a bold move. It is a bold, bold move. But his saving grace is he has 101. And I very rarely do 101s miss. Yeah. And so um, consensus on 101 um, can can give you uh, a guy to build your roster around, and then you you have I think two other, three other first round picks um, that you can kind of get some young talent. Whether that is you um, pair a couple on a player and you get a known com- commodity, where you draft three young receivers, and you're like, I believe a Justin Jefferson or a Jamar Chase is going to be in this group. I like your odds to get two good players to start to build around um, for this, but I mean, he got to make some. <laughs> You still got to make some moves with those other guys, Mitch. You're you're an all right spot. I wouldn't I wouldn't be desperate. Um, if I was in your situation, I think you you maneuvered well um, out uh, in this tank year. You still have your third pick, and that's a great opportunity to get a great player. And you still have um, some guys to build around, um, Matt. I you're you have a bunch of young guys. You you were full in on the tank, um, and you did it well. And your team already had a little fruit from it this year um, with Justin Fields. And then you got some young running backs and you got some young receivers. Now it's just, if, if none of those guys become a true star, you're still going to be in that kind of, that no man's land. But if you land uh, a true star with one of those receivers or running backs that you were able to acquire this year, um, that, that'll be wonderful. And and you have your pick as well. So I think that's, um, I, I like your move. And then Tanner, not only does he have uh, six first or second year receivers um, who I think any of us would trade a good asset for, but he also has uh, multiple picks. He has, he has Braden's pick, which should be number two. Mm. Um, and so being able to qu- acquire a one, a asset plus already having these uh, great receivers. Um, he's, he's primed to make a cons- consolidation trade to get probably a running back that he needs to, to fortify that backfield to, to make him not only just be in the playoffs because he, he was, he was there basically, but to be one of those top two guys um, going into next year. Man. No, I, and I, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll start back at the back from kind of at my basement as well. Um, I got Nick in the basement. Uh, tough kind of, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. One of the older teams in the league based off of average age, um, not a first round pick. Yeah, he has some guys. I mean, Mike Williams has come alive when he's not been hurt, and DK Metcalf is good. I, uh, James Conner has had 
ceiling outcome games. Um, but there's not that kind of young core that you want to see in a, in a dynasty league to where that's someone that you can build off of for the future. And I, I am just, I would say that I'm concerned about it getting better next year from where he was this year. So maybe he's able to hold on to that pick and build off of there kind of going forward. But I would be nervous about kind of being in a similar spot right now, this time next year as to where he is now. Um, number two, I think we have a couple of flip. I have Braden here at 11, uh, where I think you have him at 10. The reason being, as between Braden and Corey, I like Corey's roster more. I think he has more actual usable assets. Um, Braden's, I mean, he's got a lot of draft capital, which is great. Um, but all that is, is it's a lot of potential. And so I can see, I mean, he's going to take Bijan 101. Uh, I think everyone in the industry is going to tell him to do that for the next 10 months. So that would be kind of silly not to go in that direction. But with the rest of those picks, I, I'm just concerned you, we can see some Nikhil Harry's or Hakeem Butler's and less Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. This class is so deep that I wonder if the if the true way to measure talent is going to be kind of clouded once you get towards the back of that first round. Um, so because of that reason, I like Corey's set a little bit more just because I think his team is a little bit deeper and he does have i mean a Brees hall to hold the to hold the team down and if my goodness if swift comes back and has ever has a freaking healthy season he's gonna be so good um and so i really think that there's there's like definitely the pieces there for Corey to kind of go up from there so i have braden 11 Corey at 10 i have mitch right where you have him at nine and it's funny you mention all of the second round picks i have kind of over the past couple of weeks as i've started looking at kind of dynasty rookie rankings I'm starting to really rise on the value of a second round pick. And for the reason being, this class is exceptionally deep. There's a lot of great quarterbacks in this class. Um, not just your, I mean, CJ Stroud, uh, Bryce Young, the guy from Alabama, but also like Will Levis. I mean, guys that could have like 10, 11 year long NFL careers that are impressive. And you also see some guys like, um, some Purdue skill players and some, I mean, Marvin Mims, like these guys that have talent that you could see going, I mean, day two, but still having the ability to produce on an NFL field, especially in kind of these slot roles that we're seeing more and more teams adopt. Um, and we're, we're finding ways to fit them into our fantasy rosters. So I, I like the number of second round picks. I think that there actually is a, a big potential there for that to turn into some really, really good, especially those early second um, usable assets. I also have Matt down at eight. Um, I mean, he, he did the, he is the tank King for a reason. He has pulled it off. He's done it a couple of years now. Um, and I really do think, I mean, Drake London, Kenneth Walker, Justin Fields, those are guys that could easily finish in the top 12 in their position next year. If their situations change even slightly. So love the, love the ceiling Matt's created. And he's set himself up with guys that are, young and likely to do well consistently and guys that are a little bit older and have the potential, the potential to kind of reemerge as these um, impressive, prolific players. And last, yep. I have Tanner seven. Honestly, if we're ranking the entire league who I would want to be, I'd put Tanner in probably in the top three, top four um, for teams. I'd love to take over. He is doing a full Sam Presti and he is probably a year ahead of where the thunder are right now. Um, Garrett Wilson is an ascending talent. That is going to be incredible. Devonta Smith and AJ Brown, even though this was like the week where they really coexisted, I think that they both have some incredible ceiling in them going forward. Um, love Joe Burrow. The more that I've seen him play, I do think I, at the beginning of the year, I said, he's just young Ryan Tannehill. And I, I might've been wrong about that. I think he might be better than Ryan Tannehill. I'll, I'll admit it now. Um, but I really do like where his roster is going. And if he gets, I mean, what the 102, who's that? Probably like Jamar Gibbs or somebody like this. So you get some athlete running back in there that can take over. I think that can kind of fill the hole that Antonio Gibson and uh, has kind of left at, with the with the way that his career has gone. But also, Najee Harris just had the worst season of his career until he gets old and can't do it anymore. Like, he is incredible. He's been battling a wacky foot injury all season. He's going to be really good over the next five years. So Tanner is set up to succeed really well. Yeah, it really sucks to not make the playoffs, but um, I would be horrified to play him uh, on any given week next year. So I would uh, I would put Tanner definitely at the top of that list. Um, what do you, 
I think we're basically on the same page on that front, but um, it out of the out of the top six, is there any team that you would take over if you could? Oh, uh, oh, geez, I I would like to say my own, like <laughs> I, you know, you want you want to have that type of that type of confidence. Who's uh, the best? Me, I'm the best. I am. <laughs> if you said just give me the, I would take yours. Um, because your roster is built to win now and you have, um, some picks to work with. You didn't, you didn't give it all up to, um, to make a run. Whereas most of the teams in the playoffs did, Mm -hmm. um, they, they gave everything to, to give it a run this year. So like even we, I mean, you, Andreas has, I don't know if Andreas has made a transaction in the two years we've been playing. So (laughs) other than him, uh, Jacob uh, only has a second this year. And um, JD only had, he has two seconds this year. And then uh, Brennan only has a third this year. Yeah. And so like, yeah, you don't like realize that, but people to be in the playoffs, people make moves and, um, for I think for me and you to get out of it without, I, I guess, crippling our opportunity cost uh, of acquiring young talent, whether that's tra- trading first round picks or taking players with first round picks. Yeah. Um, I, I like I like the opportunity to move forward while also having a foundation of some stars to build around. No, I think that makes sense. And I, I mean, I would say like if I was given the keys to a kingdom just to blow it up, I think it would be really fun to blow up Jacob's team because you have so many on like, I don't even know how you value. We talked about this weeks ago, but how do you value Patrick Mahomes? How you how do you value Travis Kelsey? You have, I mean, how do you value Tyreek Hill now because of what he and Tua have kind of found in Miami? Like, there are just so many guys on Jacob's roster that you could, if someone came to you and said, I want Tyreek, I'll pay anything. You can really, I think, create this wild, I mean, handful of draw four Uno wild cards to to create this whatever masterful team you'd, you'd like to be able to do. And and that's just because he has such a bucket of assets to to really pull from. Yeah, definitely. And, and he has those assets on the bench too. So like he has a starting lineup filled out and then still has young guys like Christian Watson, Elijah Moore, uh, Rashard Bateman, Michael Pittman on the bench. Um, and he scored one twenty this week with four, four starting running backs, uh, and, and two of the top 10 receivers. So yeah. God, who freaking invited that guy? That's I, I, I did. So I did, I did check this earlier is that, um, Davin cook, uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, Pollard and um, who? Oh, Pittman, the guy, guys that will likely be in a starting lineup this week. So four of the eight were acquired this season. Man, by guys that are no, <laughs> no, that did, aren't making the playoffs. So his team is is riding the backs of all of the <laughs> all of the guys who are two games, three games out of the playoffs. <laughs> he is uh he is an all-star team of the rest of the league is what you're saying. That is, that is what I'm saying. <laughs> that is heartbreaking. Well, good luck to those of you that have managed to find your way to the playoffs. May, uh, may luck fall your way. Um, unless you're Brennan in that case, I hope you just have fun, but not too much fun. Um, never forget that pain is just Spain with the silent S. I, I'm really excited for what's going to happen the next couple of weeks. We will see you before championship Sunday and and our winner is crowned. Thank you everyone for a good season. Again, we will see you soon. Farewell.